Welcome to The Social Minute, the podcast that looks at social network minute by minute. And today we shall be covering minute number 70, which goes from nice. one hour and nine to one hour and nine and 59. Um, we start with Eduardo telling us that he told story after story. Uh, I kind of like the weariness of Andrew Garfield in these minutes, and this is kind of peak weariness. Um, and then it finishes kind of mid-sentence. We don't get the payoff line. That comes next week, unfortunately. Tyler, you do not get, get to discuss... Um, you know, what's cooler than a million dollars? Yeah, uh, you lied to me. You said I was going to be here for the, the <laughs> scene, and I'm not. So I'm going to sue you for half of the company now. Uh, well, you know, you get to talk about Tower Records. So, uh, oh, yes. Th- that discussion... thing which I know about culturally because <laughs> I have been alive when ty- Tower Records were around. There's a discussion of the little big horn. Um, and then, you know, uh, Eduardo wants a debate to be settled. And, um, you know, this is where Sean finishes the minute by saying, neither of you yet. And that's where the minute finishes. Um, you know, the, the kind of punchline will come next week with next week's guest. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is where we kind of get, a, a, you know, a bit more of a discussion um, about life in Silicon Valley, uh, parties in Stanford, uh, all that kind of stuff. And joining me to talk about today, you've already heard him. It is returning guest Tyler Boudreaux. Hello, Tyler. Hello, this is me. Uh... Darren, have you seen the film That Thing You Do? Uh, I have not seen That Thing You Do. Um, when that film came out, it was notably a flop. Uh, probably because people like me didn't go and see it at the cinema. It's, it, it's a great movie, but there's a scene where um, the band The Wonders, they go on the radio, and the the radio announcer's like, and joining me this week is those, those guys from uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. Their song's climbing up the charts. It's The Wonders. And they all go in unison hi and then he's like all right and now we're gonna play the song and and then they're all like he puts the he puts the needle on the record and he's like all right boys thanks for thanks for coming by and they're like wait (laughs) all he did was just say hi so now every time i'm on a podcast and they're like hey everyone here's tyler boudreau and i always just want to go hi and then leave (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i guess that would work well on the that thing you do minute um but not so much on this minute because otherwise it's going to be about 20 minutes of me just talking to myself. Um, and I do not want to feel like a Sean Parker, uh, just telling story after story. Uh, although I must say I've never been to Silicon Valley and I certainly have not partied at Stanford or LA. Um, nor have I. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, like this is, this is setting something up for later on in the film because Eduardo talks about how, you know, Mark had to come to California. I love the emphasis as well. <laughs> um, you know, and then he got around to the Facebook. Um, now, obviously, this is where we, we kind of get the end of the previous minute where we talk about record companies. And, of course, Eduardo corrects um, Sean Parker after he said Case is going to suffer for their sins, too. Uh, which, again, it's like, how are they going to suffer? But that that's kind of skipped over because, of course, Eduardo says, you didn't bring down the record companies. They won. And, of course, Sean is, like, in court. And, of course, Eduardo's like, yes. Um, and there's a wonderful bit of tension here between Justin Timberlake and Andrew Garfield as they play the scene before Sean, of course, delivers the kind of coup de grace and says, do you want to buy a Tower Records, Eduardo? Um, and, you know, I-, I think it's funny because, um, like, you know, Tower Records obviously was one of the kind of big, um, you know, record store brands um, in America. Um, uh, they, st- I-, I mean... They actually kind of went out of business just around the time um, that that this um, uh, like this film was kind of set. 
so this meeting is taking place in like 2004 ish um and uh tower records kind of went out of business in 2006 um so so i mean i don't know it kind of makes sean parker seem like he's kind of psychic in that he's talking about a company that has not yet gone out of business i don't know if this is maybe aaron sorkin just mixing the timeline up a little bit because the implication when sean is like do you want to buy a tower records is that tower records have already gone out of business and that that would be a silly thing to do which in 2010 that was true but at the time when this lunch is taking place um you know that isn't true and tower records was still i mean in 2004 or 5 they were still doing fairly it well it could have been a a radio shack thing where like radio everyone knew radio shack was leaving but it still took like two or three years for them to like all close officially yeah and i it's same worth, with blockbuster well i mean there's still one blockbuster going um i think somewhere <laughs> in alaska um the, the, i think this. it might still be open it might have closed yeah i, I don't cool. know I remember because they they relocated um, uh, Thingamajig's jockstrap. Um, yeah, Russell Crowe. It was a big yeah. John Oliver gag. Yeah, they they kind of relocated that from somewhere. Uh, Radio Shack is still going, um, although it was bought out in 2017. Um, so it is but, still a going concern, but just not but much of a. a as Sean Parker would say, do you want to buy a Radio Shack franchise? Um, I mean, I don't, uh, but General Wireless Operations did. Um, and they bought all of them. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I, I kind of like, obviously, you know, the, the high street is dying and retailers are all closing. Um, and most of that I would say is down, not to Facebook, obviously, uh, certainly not down to Napster, but something more like Amazon is the thing that is killing off, you know, kind of, uh, kind of like high streets and, and whatever. Um, you know, because I think, uh, and I can relate to this. People don't want to leave the house. I don't want to leave the house. If people can send me stuff to my house, then I'm more than happy to get stuff at my house. Um, you know, if I can just shop online and everything gets delivered to my door, why would I ever leave the house and w- wander around shops just looking at stuff? Um, you know, that doesn't seem like a pursuit that I would be particularly interested in. Um, but yeah, I, I, I find it interesting because over here, you know, like uh, kind of, I would say that the equivalent of, of Tower Records in this country is HMV. Uh, which stands for His Master's Voice. Um, the logo of HMV is a little gramophone with a dog listening to the, uh, the kind of like, uh, I don't know what it's called, like the big the big speaker that's on the gramophone. Um, and they have kind of gone bankrupt a couple of times in the last few years as well and been restructured and everything. But, you know, my city still has a HMV store and it still sells DVDs for way too much money and CDs for £18 a go uh, when I can get them on Amazon for 11 um, so, you know, they're still kind of trying, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, th- what's really weird is Tower Records wasn't really a thing in this country, um, but there was a Tower Records store in a city near me, and it had, like, a big kind of, like, opening thing that my friend went to, um, and there's a band called Reef, uh, which had um, a big hit over in here in this country called um, uh, Put Your Hands On, and they were in the store kind of, like, playing a gig, in the tower records in birmingham when it opened that's pretty like cool a big thing yeah uh my friend got a few records free at the deal because the band started picking merchandise up and giving it to people which apparently they were not meant to do um 
but they did. So, so um, you know, uh, my friend managed to get a couple of free albums out of that deal. Um, yeah, and so, I mean, you know, it closed down many years ago and turned into a gap and then closed down from being a gap into something else. And, you know, the retail the retail space where it is has been kind of ch- turned over a few times now. And it's I can't even remember what story now occupies it. Um, but very briefly, Tower Records was a thing. And I, I only have a journey to it myself like two or three times. And then I, I wandered around and I was like, what am I doing in here? <laughs> like, I own pretty much all the music I want to own. And, you know, this is a time where I could I could easily get stuff through iTunes. So I'm like, why am I wandering around a store, uh, like looking at physical media? It makes no sense. Um, though I will say I'm a strong advocate for people owning DVDs because you never know when a streaming service will suddenly decide to not show a movie anymore. Um, so Yeah, I, I like having CDs and DVDs. Um, I definitely support that. I I don't buy CDs as much unless they're like older things. Like I just bought a Violent Femmes CD, but because it's a greatest hits record that doesn't have the the versions of the songs on that CD are different than the ones on the other CDs. Um and yeah, so there's a there's a there's a local franchise around where I live in New England called Bull Moose. It's essentially your your record they they they've on, they sell more records now than they did 10 years ago because records are back and CDs and DVDs and they, they also sell like nerd culture things like um, like your your basic board games your your like coloring books like adult coloring books stuff like that um, and you reminded me of uh, the band that played at your tower records we the band Mumford and Sons once played at the Bull Moose near where I live. And I, for some reason I, I missed it that day. Cause that would have been a cool show to go to, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it's kind of weird because obviously when we're hearing the, you know, do you want to buy a tower records? We're hearing it in 2010 or we're hearing it in 2019. And of course that sounds like an obvious statement of like, um, no, you don't want to buy a tower records like that would be a foolish thing but when this meeting was taking place it wouldn't have been that foolish for somebody to want to you know buy a tower records i mean let's put it like this even if you bought a tower records um and let's say you managed to buy the building that it's in once the tower records closed down you would still own a building and you know there's nothing wrong with like owning retail space <laughs> like um you can always rent that out to somebody else uh you know the, you know, you're still going to be able to make money off that kind of thing. You know, there's nobody's lost money investing in property unless we're talking about the 2008 crash, uh, which we are not, because uh, this is not that film that was directed by the guy who also directed Big Short. This. Yeah, this is not the Big Short. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, that kind of that kind of statement of like, do you want to buy a Tower Records? Like I say, it feels slightly like I, I don't know that Sean Parker would have said that in 2004 he might have said it in 2010 and it just feels like maybe something that Sorkin's kind of thrown in there to make Sean Parker look slightly less kind of crazy um you know just to make him look a bit more like he's kind of um kind of savvy um and then of course we get to the actual kind of point of this which is you know they're in 29 schools they've got 75,000 members um and then of course um Sean kind of <laughs> i don't know he ignores what Eduardo says and goes uh, tell me about the strategy you're using to, you know, Mark. And then Mark kind of outlines a strategy, which, to be honest with you, um, uh, you know, some of the other guests that I had on here kind of joined Facebook around the time when this was the kind of strategy that Facebook was using. And basically, they only joined Facebook because, you know, there was no alternative. And, 
you know, this was how it was kind of done, uh, where they talked about how they wanted to get into Baylor, um, but Baylor had a social network on campus, and so they basically went to every single school within 100 miles <laughs> and put Facebook on those campuses. And then, of course, everyone on Baylor is like, we can't communicate with people who aren't on the Baylor thing, but we can with people who are on Facebook. So, of course, they all join Facebook. Um, and I like how Sean kind of praises this and says, you know, that's called the Little Big Horn. I don't know if it is. Like, I don't know if that's the strategy that played out at Little Big Horn. Um, but, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, but it, sa- it sounds clever coming. Again, this is one of the things to make Sean Parker seem like someone who's like kind of a, you know, a seasoned businessman. Um, and then he says that's smart mark and of course Eduardo then jumps in and goes thank you it was mine <laughs> and like you say this is where kind of Christy like elbows him and is like easy <laughs> like to kind of calm Eduardo down um, and then of course this is where Eduardo lays it out you know settle an argument for us I say it's time to start making money from the Facebook but Mark doesn't want advertising who's right and of course Sean says neither of you yet and you know uh, in the next minute I'll discuss why he doesn't think either of them are right um, you know but like this idea of Facebook using these kind of strategies to kind of get onto campuses um, is kind of interesting because, uh, you know, like like I say, I've talked to other guests who were kind of going to university around the time that Facebook was starting up and they would say like, you know, um, you know, you needed like a university email to be able to or a college email, I guess Americans would say um, to be able to get onto the site. And of course, some people would get their email address before like when they when they enrolled in like the you know spring and others wouldn't get it until the fall and so you had like four months of people being on facebook before you got to college kind of making friends and stuff and then by the time you got to college then you got to join facebook and that was a thing that kind of everybody was doing um from like you know 2003 4 or 5 um until it was kind of made available to everybody in 2006 this was the thing that was big on kind of you know college campuses was being able to get access to facebook and being able to kind of make friends with people on campus and kind of be able to join in activities and all that kind of stuff and it's kind of interesting that effectively facebook took this um i don't know this 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 kind of utility like it, it, it kind of positioned itself as a utility on all these campuses of like, well, if you want to know who else is at your university, if you want to know who else is in your classes, if you want to know who else is in your dorms, the only way to kind of find that out was this privately owned website. Um, and it was obviously kind of compiling all this data about these people, about these students, basically, and putting it in one place for everybody to use that information. But, you know, you could only do that if you were enrolled in colleges and i don't know i think like it, it's really weird that nobody at that point was like doesn't it seem like you know baylor is in the right in this particular story like having their own network that is just for people who are baylor that seems like a, a way that all universities and colleges should manage it is like you know you're talking about kind of um, you know vulnerable teenagers you know from the ages of like you know 17 through to kind of like you know 21 22 maybe their information should be shared you know through university networks not through this kind of private company um but obviously people kind of abdicate the responsibility at some campuses and we're just like yeah sure the facebook now, will handle to be, this to be fair my college um we have a closed network um thing where like everyone in the college well, one, one now, we, now you have uh, email networks that are closed circles, but we also have, um, I, I don't know what it's called, but it's, it's essentially, if you don't know what, if you don't know what someone looks like, or you don't know their name, you can kind of just 
log in and you can only log in with the college your college account and you can kind of just look through the essentially the the face identities and the yeah i, I like, think that i think that might just be a closed intranet um yeah companies have them as well for like you know various things as well um you know yeah. just for kind of purposes of being able to connect to people only within the company and you're not yeah and obviously you're not sending messages on this kind of it's really just for identifying people i like facebook's not it's not facebook isn't replacing that gap though like facebook is is filling this like social role of like you want you you see someone you don't want to know like what their address is or what dorm they want to live in necessarily you want to know if they're single or you want to know if they were at that party last night and that's different oh i don't know what the i don't know what the baylor's social network was in 2004 but i i would imagine that facebook probably had something that the the baylor social network didn't and because as we're going to talk about later like facebook is cool Baylor, Baylor's closed circuit probably wasn't cool, and I I think that yeah that is the thing. It's something obviously that's been that's been brought up earlier when Eduardo suggested advertising as well. Like Mark was always well. First of all, Mark was like fashion is never finished, which is kind of weird. Uh, but also, uh, yeah, he you know he like the thing that Mark likes about Facebook is the fact that is it's seen as cool. You know, on on the Harvard campus, it was seen as cool. You know, Mark was like a rock star because he invented this website, and everybody on Harvard was a member of it. I'm, I'm probably even the Winklevoss twins and Divya Narendra were on Facebook, um, or the Facebook, one should say. Um, you know, when it first came out, you know, like it was obviously the way for people to connect. Um, you know, Mark said when he was making FaceMash, you know, Harvard doesn't have a centralized Facebook, um, and that effectively is is kind of what he created. Um, you know, in the Crimson article when Facebook launched. He actually said, um, you know, uh, there isn't a centralized Facebook and I knew that I could do it quicker and I could do it better. Um, and in the Crimson, um, you know, like the head of their technology or whatever was like, yeah, we will make a Facebook eventually. Um, <laughs> like we're already working on this. You know, Mark's obviously just got there a little bit before us. Um, I don't know that Harvard has its own centralized Facebook. I'm guessing that once the Facebook became huge, they probably was just like, who needs it? You know, like just just let this thing exist. Um, but yeah, there was always when when you first started Facebook, like there was a thing that you would do where you would join a network, and that network would be like you, it could be like your work network, or you know most times it would be like your college network, and even for like you know alums, you would you would still be able to join like the college network for where you graduated from, and obviously everybody else who graduated would also do that, and so you ended up with this kind of weird as that's group of people who went to the same university being like a specific network um and that was like one of the settings on the facebook early on was like which network are you part of as as kind of like part of your profile uh, something that i don't think even exists now as part of the settings so um but you know obviously now you can as part of your information just put which college you went to and that's you know that's kind of you can then search that for other people as well so um it's weird because i would say now that the facebook um, it probably was more like a centralized Facebook, but the you know Facebook.com is not that anymore. Like if yeah. this if this you know if this was to replace a centralized Facebook at Harvard, I'm sure by now Harvard probably have something like that because 
you know, this isn't a centralized Facebook anymore. This is a gigantic sprawling website that has tons of other things going on. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of weird that the conversation. Also, again, you know, the conversation is about should we put ads or on or not, and obviously Sean saying neither of you are right. Um, you know, Mark doesn't want 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 to make money. You know, like I think as well, it's funny that Eduardo frames it as it's time to start making money from the Facebook, but Mark doesn't want advertising. It's like. I don't think that's fully the debate. Like, like I'm sure there will be other ways to make money on Facebook other than just, you know, filling the thing with ads. Um, and in, in all fairness to Facebook, they've never had banner ads. Um, you know, that was the thing that kind of... MySpace had banner ads. Um, Bebo had banner ads. Every, like, that was the thing on the internet, like, that was big at the time was banner ads on everything. Um, and that is the thing that kind of, like, ad blockers generally jump on first is banner ads. Um, but these days, you know, most ads are just part of your feed. You know, like if you're on Twitter and you're scrolling through, you'll just see ads as part of the feed. You'll see ads as part of Facebook's feed. You'll see ads as Instagram's feed. You know, even on Snapchat, you know, there are, you know, advertisers that are, or should I say there are like websites that kind of put ad sponsored content as part of, you know, the kind of, not your feed, essentially, because I don't think Snapchat really has a feed as such. But Well, you know, as what happens in Snapchat is if you're viewing all of your friends' stories, kind of they all play in sequence so like oh i'm gonna view my friend ted's story and then i'm gonna view my friend mike's story and then i'm gonna view my friend evelyn's story like you might be able to scroll right from ted to mike's but between mike and evelyn's there might be an ad yeah yeah so it's kind of not i mean because snapchat doesn't really have a feed as such but yeah there is like a stream of stories where there is there is a there is a feed of sorts where you will end up being interrupted by advertisements. Well, like um, even Tinder has ads now. Like you're you're swiping right on whether or not you want to download the Game of Thrones app. Uh, yeah, and and the thing is as well that is also true of uh, you know I will say the latest kind of social network which is TikTok. They've started putting ads, so when you go into the app, the first thing you see is an ad, and then you know as you scroll through like your homepage, you'll get occasionally an ad will come up again in like you know in between two kind of like um videos um and of course like even the games that i play have ads in like you know i like to play yahtzee um and i have the yahtzee app and you know occasionally when i when i finish rolling some dice an ad will play yeah. and i could i could skip it after five seconds but it's it's still there it's kind of pervasive um, that's why you got to play the games that have enough in-app purchases that they don't have to buy ads because <laughs> I play two dots still. Um, well, and... on, on Yahtzee, if I make a purchase of more than a certain amount, it removes the ads. Um, so I can pay to get rid of the ads, essentially. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. that's what that's how most games function. Yeah. There's like the free version, and then there's the plus version. But like, I feel like Candy Crush, Candy Crush is the biggest game. Probably they 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 have so many in-app purchases that I feel like you're not. There's, there aren't ads popping up regularly because enough people have to buy the in-app purchases to get past the levels where there's not. Well, I mean, uh, Simpsons Tapped Out does not have any ads at all anywhere. Um, it is completely app-free, but I guess that's because people are spending enough money on donuts, uh, which is the in-app kind of... Uh, is the premium uh, uh, currency. Um, so, yeah, but, I mean, you know, just ads are everywhere now and... You know, uh, on YouTube, you know, everyone's used to ads. The funny thing about YouTube, of course, is, I mean, this is a complaint I've heard from people where they're complaining about how these days trailers have, like, a five-second version of the trailer before the trailer plays. 
And the reason for that is that five second version will play before other videos in YouTube and then people can skip. So yes. it's only there as like a little kind of if people are going to skip, at least they'll see those five seconds of this trailer for, you know, Godzilla 2 King of the Monsters. If they don't watch the rest of the ad, it doesn't matter because they've already seen the information in those five seconds. Um, yeah. The you know. problem is when you click on the YouTube link to watch the trailer. And then you get the five that, seconds again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's irritating. It seems like they could make two different versions of it, but... I guess that costs too much time, so they just stick with the five seconds before the normal trailer thing. Or in recent in recent times, um, the Spider-Man trailer had um, Tom Holland talking about how it contained spoilers for another film, um, and that was like five seconds before you skipped. So it's kind of like, uh, well, that's enticing because now I want to watch that trailer. Um yeah, so I I like I find this argument quite interesting given obviously where we ended up, you know, uh, with Facebook stealing everyone's data and selling it, and also sticking ads left, right, and center. Um, like it doesn't feel like, you know, Facebook long stopped being cool many many years ago. Um, so this this kind of film, it, I don't know, it always feels a little quaint when people talk about ads and stuff in this film. It always kind of makes me laugh just a little bit because it's like, oh, if if you fictional people in two thousand ten only knew. Um, you know where this, yeah, where I know, this is it's wild. Yeah. Um, so, I don't, is there anything else in this minute you feel that we've got to cut? I don't really remember what happens in this minute specifically. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly just the description of the kind of the stuff with Baylor and the little big horn. Um, you know, there's, like there's not like it's just kind of like a marker of the progress. You know, they've got seventy five thousand members at this point in time. Um, they're in twenty nine schools, which again, like the concept of getting into different colleges was like a weird thing that this film kind of did because by the time this was, you know, this film came out, everybody was on Facebook, and there was no kind of restrictions. So it's interesting that at this point there's still like restrictions as to which, uh, I guess, which kind of EDUs you could use to log in um, was kind of like the limit, um, and and so it kind of feels weird that they limited it to certain schools, um, you know, and kind of getting on those campuses. Um, but yeah, uh, that's kind of, it's just really kind of a bit of a transitional minute before we kind of, we hit the kind of the punchline of this, this whole meeting, um, which will happen next week. I'm trying to think of like anything like big picture about the whole movie that I have comments on. Even my, one of my favorite things about the movie is the, the song that plays over the credits, baby, you're a rich man. Yeah. Um, which what I love about baby, you're a rich man playing over the end credits is to license Beatles costs a huge amount of money. Yeah. So just by putting that song on the end credits, they are literally saying, look at us. We can afford a Beatles song. That's how rich we are. And that kind of feels like a Mark Zuckerberg move, like, you know, wearing flip-flops to a meeting, playing a Beatles song in a film, just because that's like, literally it is, it is describing what they are. Baby, you're a rich man. Yeah, we're a rich film. We can, we can spend like, you know, five million on getting some rights for a song just for the end credits, just to make a point. Yeah, um, and it kind of nails that bittersweet tone of the end, and I think yeah, the the it it's an interesting movie because it's so fast. Everything is like crazy, crazy, talky, talky, and then the the movie kind of just ends. You have the like the Rashida Jones scene at the end, and then you're like, oh, it's over. Okay. Yeah, and her advice is just pay them money, pay them money, and then that's it. Like it all finishes if you just pay them some money. Like, hey, yeah, um, you can just pay them off. Hey, guess what? You're still going to be rich, and um, you're still going to be a terrible person. Yeah, one might say, baby, you're a rich man. So just pay them. Uh, pay the money. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's funny because when I, whenever I watch this film, when it gets to the point where his um, business cards get delivered, 
um, the whole film kind of becomes very melancholic for me because I'm like, oh, this is near the end of the film now. Like, by the time those business cards get delivered, you know you're kind of in the last kind of 10 minutes. Yeah, when they're in the office um, in California, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of empty and the music's a bit kind of sad and you're like, oh, this film's going to finish now. I would, I, you know, I, if, if someone had said to me David Finch is going to remake one of his films and it's going to be The Social Network and he's just going to keep making it for the next 20 years because it's just going to mirror everything that's happening on Facebook, <laughs> I'd be like... I I would watch that forever. I would literally I would literally just I would say, you know, just give Jesse Eisenberg hundreds of millions and just have him just, you know, act this role for the rest of his life um, and I would happily watch it just because uh, you know, by the time I get to the end of this film it does make me kind of feel, feel kind of sad that it's actually finishing. It's crazy um, that Jesse Eisenberg is more likable than the real Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, something that I haven't actually many, mentioned up until this point but uh, Saturday Night Live actually had uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Mark Zuckerberg meet on an episode of Saturday Night Live um, oh that's crazy and it, it was as awkward as you imagined it well, to be well and then the other crazy um, thing is that Andy Samberg also kind of looks like them <laughs> yeah uh, I, I mean I, I don't know that SNL ever did any kind of like sketches about the social network but I would imagine Andy Samberg would have had to play the Mark Zuckerberg role I um, and I know for a fact that Andy Samberg also once did a M- Michael Sarah impression which is that's kind of like the holy trinity of people that kind of look alike is Michael Sarah, <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg and Andy Samberg Although having covered um, Arrested Development for my other podcast, uh, I made uh, I've made a huge mistake. Um, I would say that Michael Sarah is kind of nothing like Jesse Eisenberg because Jesse Eisenberg has a more kind of um, uh, I don't know his the way he kind of acts is a bit more kind of clinical, whereas Ma- Michael Sarah always has this kind of like nervous like, oh. kind of young energy. Yeah, their acting um, style is different, but it, like if you were someone who didn't really watch TV or movies and you kind of saw all three of them in different things, you kind of might associate them in your head. And so, kind of me growing yeah. up, that was kind of what happened. It was like, oh, these guys are all kind of similar looking. Or if you were Brad Pitt, you would think they were the same person because Brad Pitt, of course, has face blindness and cannot tell people apart. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, and that rounds it all up nicely, I would say. Um, obviously, on a Friday, I like to say that, you know, if there are other films that you want to hear, you know, talked about minute by minute, then by all minute, by all means, visit um, moviesbyminutes.com where, you know, uh, if there is a film that you like, somebody is probably talking about it minute by minute. And if there, the film hasn't been covered yet then you should talk about it minute by minute. Um, you know, Me? That's, that's pretty much how... Yeah, you should. That's <laughs> that's pretty much how all of these minute by minute podcasts start, is just someone's like, I should talk about this minute by minute. Um, and speaking of that, uh, let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Tyler? Coincidentally, yeah. talking about minute by minute? Yeah, you should listen to Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute, the podcast I do with my sister about the Wes Anderson film Fantastic Mr. Fox. Again, if you like quippy dialogue and fancy editing and interesting camera angles you're, you're gonna like fantastic mr fox um so yeah also follow us on twitter at amateur nerds is the handle for the show fantastic mr fox minute and my personal handle is at tyler booty t-y-l-e-r-b-o-u-d-y i mean i'm disappointed you did not call it uh, fantastic minute fox but i mean i guess that's just stretching uh, the naming conventions a little too far so we call it fantastic minute for short but we do, yeah. we we do not call it Fantastic Minute Fox because that is too hideous. Uh. <laughs> I guess you got to draw the line. I mean, having done a animal-based minute-by-minute podcast myself, 
we went with a talking cast for a talking cat. Um, That's not so, bad. You know, yeah, I was going to say, it's a little easier on the ears. Um, and you can find us on MySpace at myspace.com slash the social minute or on Twitter at social underscore minute or on Facebook at social minute podcast. Thanks once more for being my guest here this week, Tyler. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a, it's been a delight to spend the last three hours talking, talking social network. <laughs> and I will see everybody else next week. Lose the next just week. 